Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hi there, friends, countrymen, countrywomen, and healthy gardeners from across the globe. Welcome to episode number 55, The Acid-Loving Plant Mystery. I borrowed a piece of my opening line from one of Shakespeare's three Roman plays and one of his, in my opinion, great historical tragedies, the tragedy of Julius Caesar, which today everyone just calls Julius Caesar, in his play that was first performed in 1599. Mark Antony in Act 3, Scene 2, utters some of the most famous lines of any of the genius playwright's work. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is off interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault. And grievously hath Caesar answered it. Mark Antony finishes his well-crafted memorial to the plebeians at the forum with this. But here I am to speak what I do know. You all did love him once, not without cause. What cause withholds you then to mourn for him? O judgment, thou art filled to brutish beasts, and men have lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin there with Caesar, and I must pause till it come back to me. What does Caesar and Shakespeare have to do with today's mystery? I'll get to that in a moment. But it's all, with all good mysteries, you have to read between the lines. Why is there such a mysterious and almost otherworldly tale of acid-loving plants? The soothsayers and merlins of the gardening world all have you believing that you can't plant or grow acid-loving plants without adding something mysterious and wondrous to the earth, to your garden, to grow these woodland and forest creatures that have become known to us as acid-loving plants. Ooh. Acid-loving plants, that sounds scary, frightening, ominous. You better not go out into the garden and try to grow any of these plants without being armed with a shield and a sword, a fertilizer, or garden anecdotes to tackle these mysteries of nature. Hogwash, this is all nonsense. These kinds of misnomers and old gardens experts' tales of frightening waters and untamed seas, have got to stop. The reason I began with Mark Antony's beautiful speech is because he is reaching out to his countrymen to let them know that the conspirators murdered Caesar, and his remembrance of Caesar finally drives the crowd to mutiny. This, my friends, is what I am hoping, that you will hear something in the truth that you're being told that will make you rise up and revolt against the disinformation campaign by the big chem 
chemical companies who are feeding you and your garden poisonous, venomous lies. They want you to believe that you need their fertilizers and the utter stupidity that is being rained down upon you by gardening gurus and gardening hats. They are bought and paid for by the chemical companies who own, support, and supply the gardening fertilizer industry. So come with me, comrades, on a tale, a journey, where we unlock the nonsense, the unnecessary poisoning of the soil to grow plants that in many cases do not need our help, and certainly not the help of some phony big chem fertilizer machine that the nurseries, books, and classes are telling you that you need to grow a hydrangea or a raspberry. It's all poppycock, nonsense. And today we are going to debunk this chemical fairy tale with one that is rooted in real science, real nature, and real organic protocols as we unlock the acid-loving plant mystery. Hey there, healthy lifestyle aficionados. Have you heard of Substack? It's a really cool platform where writers get to write and readers get to read and even get involved in a community like on my Substack website, Social Compost. It's where I post written and audio essays and articles that I call inputs. I cover topics from organic gardening, farming and food to culture, like a piece I wrote called The Disruptor, which has gotten a ton of reads. I also put up notes called The Garden Chicken Says. These are things that The Garden Chicken wants you to know. There's a lot of inputs in our world today, and I hope you'll check out and subscribe to mine at socialcompost.substack.com to join the commentary and the Social Compost community. Social Compost is your page to comment on and even join in on our Zoom chats. Subscribe today and get in on the conversation at social compost, and that's one word, .substack.com, socialcompost.substack.com. I had a job interview the other day. Man said he liked the way I looked. He liked the way I shook his hand. I'm sorry, man You know I really am But we don't need nobody I said, please, sir You've no idea How badly I need the money It's a joke that's run so bad that it's no longer funny. Here's a mystery. What is an acid-loving plant? And who asked or interviewed these plants to see if these plants really love acid? 
The list is long. Azaleas, rhodes, hydrangeas, nasturtium, camellias, marigolds, heather, gardenias, iris, caladium, radishes, sweet potatoes, blueberries, rhubarb, potatoes, currants, beans, broccoli, cabbage, carrots, cucumbers, onions, squash, sweet corn, raspberries, apples, grapes, strawberries, and so on, and so on, and so on. Hmm. That's an interesting list. I grow a lot of those plants, and I've had lengthy discussions with them, and have even sung Morrissey very loudly to them. I'm the sun and the air of a shyness that is criminally vulgar. I am the sun and air, oh, of nothing in particular. Most of my plants, especially my acid-loving plants, love Mr. Depressing. It must be his sharp, acidic wit. So why, pray tell, are these plants classified and categorized in their own class of having to be grown with some degree of difficulty because they primarily come from Woodland and forest heritage? Ooh, that's scary. It's all about the pH of the soil that they come from. pH is defined as a figure expressing the acidity or alkalinity of a solution on a logarithmic scale on which 7 is neutral, lower values are more acid, and higher values are more alkaline. In nature, forest and woodland plants are growing in soil that is low in humus, which make them more acidic. The reason for this is the geological process known as denudation. The process is when water, ice, and wind erode the Earth's surface and create a reduction in land mass. This is literally a stripping of organic matter. Soil acidity may also be produced by the decomposition of plant residues or organic waste into organic acids. Humic materials in soils occur as a result of microbial decomposition of organic matter. This decomposition of organic matter in forests results in the formation of soluble organic acids that impact the soil formation. Acids that are produced during decomposition of litter on the surface move down through the soil via the water from the rain, the snow and ice, and remove the base cations. Cations are positively charged ions. Ions are any atoms that have either positive or negative charges. And everything, you, me, the world, acid-loving plants are made up of atoms. How the acidic soil is formed in the forest or woodland that these plants grow in is through an accumulation of hydrogen and concentrations of acid-forming aluminum during the decomposition and denudation. This leaches into the soil, creating soils that range from 6.5 in pH all the way down to very acidic at 3.8. The plants that I listed above and that we all see on the U.S. Post Office's top 10 most wanted list of acid-loving plants all range from a pH of 5.5 to 6.5. And on the low side, 4 for potatoes and 4.2 for blueberries. All that said, that's great info to have as info, but it doesn't really do much for you or for I, the gardeners, the healthy gardeners. 
It's just information. What has happened because of this obsession with pH and, oh my goodness gracious, how am I going to plant or take care of my acid-loving plants? This obsession has spawned a whole bunch of products and protocols that are just ridiculous. You go on to any gardening site, garden product site, garden expert site, and they will all tell you how to fix, fluff, fold, and remedy your soil for your acid lovers. They will tell you how to drop the pH level of your soil. My advice to you for their advice is, now get a pen and write this down. I don't want you to forget it. Drum roll, please. Forget it. You see that little trick I just played there? I said forget it, then I asked for the studio drum roll, and the answer was forget it. (laughs) Okay, let's just forget it. And that's exactly what I want you to do when it comes to the expert's advice on lowering the pH of your soil. Your plants are going to be just fine. Your garden is going to be wonderful if you just follow the protocols that I'm going to give you in the final segment of today's episode. Your acid-loving plants are going to jump for joy and sing like Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. If you follow the real organic, healthy garden protocols, I'm going to share with you next. But first, let's unlock some of these fabulous, and I mean muy fabuloso, gardening tips that I've uncovered in my research. One, add sulfur to the soil. This is an unnecessary old wives, old uncles, old garden expert tale. You don't need to add mined sulfur to lower the pH of your garden. It comes from many natural sources, like the type we'll be discussing later. Two, add iron sulfate to the soil. Wrong! This can kill your plants if overused, and the mining process of mining sulfur by its very nature disturbs hundreds of acres of land usually intersected by numerous creeks and rivers. Use acid-loving plant fertilizer. That's number three. Most of the generic Big Chem back gardening fertilizer companies, wonderful, and I mean wonderful fertilizers, contain the following of this list of microbial and environmental death. Ammonium sulfate, ammonium nitrate, elemental sulfur, granular sulfur, Iron chelates, iron sulfate, and sulfur-coated urea. The natural, in quotes, and organic, in quotes, those are equally as amazing with ingredients like alfalfa meal, fishbone meal, bone meal, feather meal, potassium sulfate, kelp meal, and kelp flour in one. Another huge seller has that it's derived from elemental sulfur and gypsum. That sounds really natural and organic. This from a company with organic in their actual name. And finally, this great mix that starts with cottonseed meal, fishbone meal, langbonite, rock phosphate, and kelp meal. Can I ask you on what planet any of these are natural and organic? As we have discussed multiple times on this show, how many of these inputs in these organic fertilizer products are actually organic? And the answer for this 10 million banana question is, drum roll please, none, not one, zilch, we move on to the rest of the stuff that is recommended but you are not going to do in your garden, 
add aluminum sulfate and ammonium sulfate. No, 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 as Barney Fife would say. Add sphagnum peat moss. Yeah, that would take about 20 truckloads and a team of muscled gardeners to lower your pH with that methodology. Then there is add coffee grounds. Let me think. No. Dilute vinegar and drench the soil. Absolutely no. And here's another one. Add Epsom salts. Hang on a second, gang. I really want to think this one over. I want to mull it for a minute. No. Okay. I can't take any more. I have to stop and bring some sanity back to the planet. We are going to blow away this ridiculous, this preposterous urban legend, bad folklore, and all-out assault on your pocketbook to have you buy crazy stuff for a problem that doesn't even exist in the mystery of acid-loving plants on this magical mystery tour of gardening. Next. Hi, healthy gardeners. I remember growing blueberries in California for over eight years for a client of mine. I grew them in large clay containers and filled them with Baby Boo's potting soil from Malibu Compost. The soil has a 7.0 pH, so it was neutral, but it also has 25% of Boo's blend compost in it, which was full of active biology. Every spring and fall, I would compost the tops of the containers with two inches of homemade compost from my client's home composting system. The special thing about their static pile compost for the blueberries is that it was made from dried oak leaves and kitchen and garden scraps. It took six months to finish and was a beautiful dark brown crumbly texture that those blueberries loved. These berry bushes gave blueberries from spring to fall. If you haven't done so yet, start your home composting system today. And if you need great soil to fill your containers with in your food garden that is organic and non-GMO, check out Baby Boo's Potting Soil from Malibu Compost at MalibuCompost.com. One, two, three, four. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to I guess the further I go down the rabbit hole of this episode, the more I am beginning to realize that the only mystery surrounding acid-loving plants is how to adjust the soil pH in a real organic, healthy gardening way. The good news for all of you healthy gardeners out there is that it's easy. So easy, in fact, that it's scary. Once you hear what to do and what you're uber mysterioso acid loving plants want to thrive and survive I think you'll all be left asking yourself the same question I always do about this and most gardening subjects and matters and that is why why do these lame companies 
keep making the same lame products that we don't even need for the garden? And why do all these lame gardening podcasters, bloggers, writers, authors, advanced master growers, garden legends, and gardening experts all over the globe keep peddling the same stuff? Because they are all owned by Big Chem in one form or another. And Big Chem doesn't want you to know that you don't need any of their synthetic garbage in your garden. If you have ever heard a talk or listened to a podcast or read a book or an article from anyone who ever advised you to lower the pH of your soil, as I listed in the last segment, then please take them off of your list as a reliable source of gardening or growing information. And if you have ever bought an alleged organic product, and that's in quotes, or natural product from companies who put any of the ingredients that I listed earlier for ways for you to naturally or organically lower the pH of your garden soil for your acid lovers, then please wake up and quit supporting them because they either don't know what they're doing or they just don't care. How are we going to lower the pH of your soil? Simple answer, we're not. We are not going to do anything but work with nature, and to do that, we are going to go back and meet up with our old pals, the microbes, and a whole bunch of other science that has nothing to do with chemicals, synthetics, or the church of science that modern man seems to love languishing in. Plants in nature grow in conditions of soil acidity and alkalinity. The pH of the soil they grow in is determined by the concentration of hydrogen ions in the soil. This is also what regulates the chemical interaction of soil colloids. And that is just the finer sized particulates of organic matter and clay. Hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen are all essential for plant growth. According to the best available research there is, there's a very long-term relationship between plants and microbes. About 3.5 billion years ago, the first life forms believed to exist were single-celled organisms similar to bacteria. The first fungi appeared about 1,000 million years ago, and the first plants about 700 million years ago. Microscopic life, bacteria, algae, protozoa, fungi live in the soil with parts of the plants that live their lives below the surface. Microbial health in the soil depends on nutrient availability, temperature, water, and pH. Plants store photosynthetically synthesized carbon in their root system for the important roles of root growth and maintenance of the plant. This carbon is also released from the roots into the rhizosphere, the root zones, as exudates. And this is amazing. I just want to explain just really simply. Plant exudates are carbon-rich materials that many plants produce and release externally. When exudates are produced, they are often sticky plant chemicals that are eaten by bacteria, fungi, herbivores, and some other plant pathology. The exudates act as a barrier that prevents disease-causing organisms from entering the plant system, one, and then also the protozoa and the nematodes that eat the fungi and bacteria that are attracted to the exudates that the plants are putting out, 
in turn are eaten and then the protozoa are also eaten by arthropods. It is the protozoa and arthropods who break down the nutrient in the bacteria and the fungi into plant-available forms for uptake into the plant. So if you've been following me on this and you're connecting the dots, like I'm trying to connect in a really simple way, then you've just realized a very baseline description and understanding of how plants create their own food through their interaction with soil microbes and soil animals. If you follow the logic of nature, then you will see that you are to plant any type of plant, acidic, neutral, or alkaline, into the ground when you use a good, biologically rich, real organic compost, and then let nature take its course. This is what we do in our gardens at home and at our consulting sites that we work on. We use compost and compost teas as the base component of soil growth and soil health. This in turn creates a healthy environment for microbial growth and development. Good, finished, real organic compost is loaded with bacteria and fungi, which as you know, is a food source for protozoa and arthropods. If we know this, don't you think that the think tank at the chemical companies that are supplying your old favorite fertilizer company knows this? This is not going to make Big Chem happy. Why? Because it's the truth. The mystery of acid-loving plants has just been demystified, unveiled. The curtain that was hidden by the Wizard of Oz has been pulled back. What you are going to do now in your garden is compost frequently in small amounts and use compost tea once a month during the growing season. The pH of the soil will adjust to your plants that were once known as acid-loving plants. I prefer woodland plants forest plants, but you call them what you want. I love the end of a great mystery. I love when all of the pieces fall into place. And I especially love when I get to help prove how much we actually don't need fertilizer and soil acidifier in the garden. Please share the acid-loving plant mystery with someone that you know that might still be adding poison into their gardens because they just don't know otherwise. Until then, Follow the logic, stay in the truth, and have a wonderful and happy week, mis amigos y amigas. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.